Welcome to Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport News. This is episode 83, recorded January 1st, 2021. Happy New Year. I'm your host, Charles Current. In today's episode, Tool fell victim to credit card fraud. The 2022 Lockpickers United charity raffle is now open, as well as the Locky Awards nominations are now open. Bully Lock launches the Rotisera. Roman Key shows wild animals used in executions. The Great Butter Heist of 2021 and other criminal stories, sales, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of the show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. If you don't already have one, you can find a Podcasting 2.0 compatible app at newpodcastapps.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube or Odyssey. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. Some apps limit the length of show notes and the amount of links I can put in, but you can always find the full show notes with all of the links at thelocksportscast.com. Just go to thelocksportscast.com slash and the episode number, and you'll be able to find all of the show notes right there. And as I said in the intro, the Lockie Awards nominations are now open. You can go to the Lockie Awards net or luckyawards.com either one will get you there click on the nominations on the menu items and you should be able to enter your nominations you will have to register and log in in order to do that i'm not using those registrations for anything other than the very specific purpose of controlling nominations and voting right now it's the only way i can think of to limit access to one nomination per person so That's really the only reason it's there. Moving on to stuff in mainstream news here, we have an article called The Pros and Cons of Smart Door Locks in Security Forwards by Desiree Macy. The start of the article reads, Smart technology for security is rapidly growing into a popular option for many. However, before you decide to go for any smart technology, you need to carefully weigh the pros against the cons that goes for security systems too, such as smart door locks. We consulted with the top security experts who explained the advantages and disadvantages of smart door locks and listed all the most important ones here to help you decide. So I'll just quickly run through what the pros and cons they listed are. They say pro one, peace of mind. You can keep track of who comes in and out. Pro number two, going keyless. Smart locks allow you to lock or unlock your door with ease by syncing up an app on your smartphone. Pro three, easy access. The smart lock can be programmed to open automatically at specific times of day or under certain circumstances, such as when the office is unoccupied. Pro number four, can assign different permissions. It can assign different permissions for each smartphone used to gain entry into the building. And pro number five, they say, is no risk of losing the key. They say you no longer have to worry about losing your key or carrying keys in your pocket. And I I say that's bad advice, but we'll get to that. Con number one, potential for hacking. They may be vulnerable to hacker efforts to bypass the enter code that unlocks the door. In that section, they also say, but you should get logging or an audit trail to be able to figure that out after it happens. But not necessarily. There have been instances with uh, wireless security systems where the bypass also bypasses the entire audit trail and logging system. So con number two, cybersecurity. They say one major disadvantage of installing smart door locks is the reliance on network and Wi-Fi. 
and that's my point of you probably should have a key as a backup. If the Wi-Fi goes down, if the network goes down, or the power goes out, you may be locked out of your building without access if you don't have the backup key. They say con three is risk of losing access if your smartphone is lost, which, yeah, that's of course a possibility, just like losing your key. If you lose your access device, you're out. Con four could be complicated implementing the system in offices. Con five, losing access if smartphone runs out of battery or gets damaged, which is similar to con three, which is losing the smartphone. Um, And as I said earlier, I would add the potential for loss of access if your Wi-Fi goes down for any reason, power outage, network outage, whatever. I would suggest that if you have one of these systems, you either have a known location for a backup key or you just carry a backup key on you. Maybe in a large office, there's a set of responsible people that carry physical keys just in case. Something like that. And Jeff Moss shared some information he got from Banner Solutions about upcoming price increases. The notice reads to our valued customers, thank you for your continued partnership with Banner Solutions. We value your business and want to ensure that we keep you appraised of any projected price increases announced by manufacturers. Below you'll find manufacturers that have communicated future price increases and the dates in which they will be in effect. And there are several listed uh, taking place from January through the beginning of March in this particular bulletin. So if you want to check that out, there will be a link to Jeff Moss's post in the show notes. Moving on to community news, the big news this week, Tool fell victim to credit card fraud. If you're not aware of what Tool is, it's the Open Organization of Lockpickers, and it is a, I believe, a 501c3 charity. They put out both a YouTube video and a PDF announcement announcing that they had been the victim of credit card fraud and their bookkeeper had gone missing. During the time the credit card was abused, over $20,000 US was withdrawn from their account. And at present, the bank, which is Wells Fargo, is denying that the transactions are fraudulent, but the but Tool is still working on coming to a resolution with them. And they put out a call for help on Twitter and, like I said, YouTube. And the response was very, very generous. People started donating and there was quite an outpouring. I think at the last notice here, they had received 35,000 US dollars in donations within a the couple of days there. So great response from the community, and hopefully they get the rest of this sorted out and they can figure out how to get Wells Fargo to accept that they were fraudulent transactions, at least the ones that are still in the appropriate time frame, and maybe get those reimbursed as well. So thank you to the community for helping Tool recover from this unfortunate event. And and hopefully they can take some steps to limit the impact of an event like this in the future. And over on the Reddit and Discord, Correct Jeans posted that the 2022 Lockpickers United Charity Raffle is now open. The post says, welcome to the 2022 Lockpicking Charity Raffle. I have a sneaking suspicion I will say this every year, but the raffle has once again grown to a much larger scale than last year. I encourage you to set aside some time to read the prize pots because there are a lot of them. First off, big thanks to the people who helped put this together. 
and he thanks Roboat, Logan is on Discord, Decoder, Naswek, and Correct Jeans. And extra big thanks as well to the 65 prize contributors this year. And there's a list of all of those, both companies and individuals. I can't even pronounce all these usernames, so I'm not even going to try, but you can check it out in the post. It continues to say that entries will be accepted through January 31st, and the prize drawing will happen via a live stream on February 1st. Exact time to be determined. Quick recap of the rules. Each US dollar equivalent rounded down. Donated counts as one ticket in the drawing. The charity you are donating must be approved by the moderation team. Should your preferred charity not be on the list, do not hesitate to contact the team to discuss your preferred charity. So how do you participate? They say, step one, select a charity to donate to. If it's not listed, send a message to the moderation team. Step two, donate. Take a screenshot or some proof that the donation was accepted and valid, and the screenshot must include a date. Step three, get an image hosting link to your screenshot by uploading it to Imager or something similar. Then step four, go to the form to specify your charity, add a link to your screenshot, and allocate your tickets among the pots. After that, you're done. A raffle organizer should contact you on your platform of choice to notify you that your submission was either approved or requires an adjustment. And then there are several links to a list of approved charities, the prize pots, and the entry form. If you want a little more help on how the process works, Gravity Karma has put out a video demonstrating the process and all the links. So you can go to his channel, link in the show notes to his video, where he goes over the raffle, how to use the forms, etc. So check that out if you are even considering Entering, it might be a good idea to watch that video. And Panda Frog put out a video called Announcement Loco Quarter 2022 Challenge Slash Giveaway. He says they are changing the Loco Month format to a Loco Quarter format. So instead of a lock every month, it'll be a lock every quarter, partly due to a low number of entries each month. The first quarter, they will be doing the Master Lock 150. Second quarter, the Abus 7240. Third quarter, the Mako 425 or 427. And the fourth quarter is the Lockwood 334B45. Says the fastest picker will get a little present. And also, depending on how many entries we have, we will also choose a second extra winner. So that's over at speedlocks.org. A link in the show notes. For videos this week, I really only grabbed one. This was by Rubber Band, entitled Make Your Keys Harder to Copy. The description says a fun little hack to make your keys harder to copy on a budget. It is a really simple trick if you are able to do any basic repinning. If you have the ability to uh, modify a pin even the slightest, this is a good trick to make your key so that it will not be able to be effectively duplicated at any hardware store or just by uh, anybody who doesn't know what's going on because you're effectively making one of the cuts to where it can't be duplicated on a standard blank. Anyway, I thought it was a ingenious little hack, very simple, uh, cost-effective, and thought I would share it here. Go check out Rubber Band's YouTube channel if you want to know more. For products this week, Bowley Lock Company has launched their Rotocera Lock. They say, introducing the Rotocera by Bowley Lock Company. 
Many of our customers have been asking for more products from us. Double deadbolts, matching keyed handles, smaller padlocks, Euro profile cylinders, etc. Because of this, we decided to develop our own disc detainer technology that would better fit these smaller applications where our current lock would not. Foley Lock Company's original patented technology is based on forming a deviated pathway from the keyhole to the pins. We set out to see if we could design a disc detainer which incorporated that same technology that makes picking tools much harder to make and much harder to operate. The result of over two years of design and development is the all-new Rotisera, a Bowley-style disc detainer. The new design uses our patented rotary idler inside of a disc detainer to effectively cut off access to the disc once the idler is turned out of the keyhole. Our new key orbits around the central axis of the lock until it is out of sight from the keyhole, meaning picking tools have to turn a corner in order to reach any of the discs. Our new disc detainer lock has eight discs and offers 43 million unique key combinations. Every disc has false gates that exactly mimic the surface feel of the real gates. Our sidebar is rectangular and is spring-loaded so that any torque that is applied to the cylinder will just bind the sidebar rather than push it into the discs. To a picker, this means extremely difficult reaching a disc and little to no feedback when turning a disc should such a tool ever be created. We have produced approximately 500 cylinder units for this launch. Although this new kick-style cylinder will fit in deadbolts, knobs, and padlocks, we decided to offer these first 500 units in padlocks only. This new cylinder is the result of countless hours of design, testing, and trial and error, and we think we finally have a winner. We wanted to give our previous customers and folks that signed up for our mailing list a heads up that these will go on sale January 1st, 2022 at noon. We will, however, release them in batches daily so they don't all sell out before you have a chance to read this email. We have teamed up with ABIS Canada and GMS Locks for the padlock offerings. Although we currently make one of the highest security padlocks in the world, the Bowley 543, it is a bit large for many applications. Furthermore, in our opinion, it is generally not the padlock body that is the problem with many locks on the market. It is the cheap cylinder that is easily defeated. So I will have links to the product announcement the YouTube video that they put out demonstrating with a uh, 3D rendering of the lock and a link to the website where you can purchase one if you're lucky. Moving on to Lockpickers United belts this week, we have a new brown belt on the Reddit. Oh My Joe has earned brown, so congratulations to you. And we have a new black belt announcement on the Lock Pickers United Discord. It says, we welcome another picker to the black belt dojo. Red Wanderer has picked the Asa Twin 6K with barrels and the Dom IX Twin Star. For epic quests, he has shown a firm grasp on his impressioning and group to safe dial manipulation. Let's give a round of applause for this very helpful member of our little community. Also posted to both the Discord and the Reddit were current lockpicking belt stats. So if we start with the Discord, we don't normally see the, the stats over there. But on the Discord, they did post stats this week. And we don't have an overall total account. And I don't feel like adding all these up. 
but white belts, we have 182, yellow, 266, orange, 540, green, 318, blue, 158, purple, 97, brown, 45, red, 42, and black belts, 81 black belts over on the uh, Discord. And remember that these are going to be overlapped. So a lot of people that are in the Discord are also in the Reddit. Moving on to the Reddit numbers, we have a total of 5,337 people participating in the belt system over on Reddit. And of those, 913 are white, 1,459 are yellow, 1,847 are orange, 638 are green, 212 are blue, 101 are purple, 47 are brown, 39 are red, and the same 81 are black belts. The only category I think that we have a perfect match on is black belts. There's the same 81 on the Discord as on the Reddit. So congratulations to everyone and keep up the good work. It's a fun system. If you want to know more about the system, there are links in the show notes to both the official rules page as well as some videos that explain how the system works. Over at speedlocks.org, we have a few new records. The we have the first record for the Multilock Interactive with standard driver pins by HV Logic in 1 minute 49.243 seconds. We have new records for the TSA 007 by Space Nut in 0.533 seconds. And the Vachette Axie Home by Snow in 1 minute 36.69 seconds. So congratulations to all of you. Some very fast times over there. And um on some difficult locks on a couple of them. And as always, it's time to say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. We'll start with the Patreon subscribers. Those are Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starlock, Williams Brain, Dave to be deciphered, Lebon's Locksport Journey, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Cherell, Patty Cakes, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, aka Cool Tune, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lock Picker, Real Tater, JHP Picking, Chief Content Producer for this episode, is again I Fisk by one story. Other content producers for this episode are Beanie A to Z, Cherell, Correct Jeans, Donate to the Raffle, Gilly Gaines, HV Logic, Jeff Moss, Joshua Gonzalez, Michael Gilchrist, Nathan Lutz, Panda Frog, Paracentric, Pocket Woman, Rubber Band, and Tony Verley. Thank you to all of you for your support and all the information that you provided to make this episode possible. And just remember that this show is only possible because of that information and support shown by the community. So if you value this podcast, please help support it by sending in your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that's Locksport related that you think the community would like to know or would benefit from knowing. Everybody has their own little groups online or in person that they attend and information can get locked up in those groups and not shared elsewhere. But if you share it here, I will make sure that everybody, at least that listens to this podcast, gets the news. Other things you can do, you can share the podcast with your lockpicking friends. You can leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or a comment and thumbs up on YouTube or Odyssey. You can subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube or Odyssey channels. You can also donate on PayPal or Patreon if you wish. Patrons do get a private RSS feed for the audio version of the podcast that will get them access to the episodes a little bit early, about a day when I finish editing it. You can find all the different ways to contact me and send in information or anything else by going to thelocksportscast.com slash support. If you support the show with a donation or information that I use in the show, I will give you credit in the show and in the show notes. 
If you want to send in feedback, you can go to locksportscast.com slash contact. That feedback can either be confidential or I can share it on the show. It's your choice. If you want it to be confidential, please explicitly state that you want it to be confidential just so I don't make a mistake and share it on the show. You're welcome to submit a note, video, or audio recording. Just remember to keep it reasonable, length, polite, work and family safe, no politics, no drama, if you do want it shared. For our lock story this week, we have an article from King's College London called Thrown to the Lions, New Evidence from Roman Britain Executions Revealed. This was actually from the 8th of August. And I'm not going to go through the entire article. It's pretty long, but I'm just going to highlight the important bits here. And if you want to know more, there'll be lots of links in the show notes to several different resources here. So they say archaeologists have identified an elaborate key as evidence that wild animals were used as agents of execution in Roman Britain during public arena spectacles. King's research has helped uncover new evidence showing the portrayal of an execution of captives in an arena by throwing them to the lions. The evidence follows the discovery of an elaborately decorated Roman bronze key handle. The handle, discovered by archaeologists, portrays a barbarian grappling with a lion together with four naked youths cowering in terror. The key handle was discovered buried below the floor of a late Roman townhouse excavated in 2016. After conservation, this unique object was studied at King's and the findings are now published in the journal Britannia. Archaeologists believe that the key was probably made a century or more after Britain itself had been conquered, and it is interesting to reflect on the idea that those whose recent ancestors themselves were considered barbarians now shared in the Roman contempt and fear of those who remained outside the empire. Lions are portrayed on other key handles from Roman Britain and probably symbolized security and protection of the household. The sense of security extended beyond the life of the key as a functional object, as the detached handle clearly continued to be valued. It was placed upright in the makeup of a new floor laid long after the heyday of the opulent house it once secured, in the hope that it would still offer protection. And in that same Twitter thread where this was shared, Ifis shared a link to a Google Books page that's and said it does seem to have been a roman thing text describes the working portion as an iron shaft which is not oft found intact and what he's referring to is a book on google books called a passion for antiquities ancient art from the collection of barbara and lawrence fleischman by the j paul getty museum in association with the cleveland museum of art It is Object 159 in the book. It is called a rotary key with horse head handle. Circa the 2nd century AD, it's a bronze handle with an iron shaft and bit. Length 15.6 centimeters, height 5.5 centimeters, depth 2.7 centimeters. And some information I pulled from that book. Uh, Again, not all of it. You can follow the link in the show notes if you want to know more. But it says the key has an 8-slotted bit. It probably opened a lever lock which, according to W.H. Manning, was the most advanced form used in the Roman period and is, in principle, basically the same as the modern lever lock. Looks like a heavily warded lever lock from the way the key is set up. It says, this key may be the only complete example of its specific type. The iron shafts on other examples have been heavily corroded or missing. 
The Fleischmann key is remarkable in every aspect. The high quality modeling of the horse head, the intricacy of the key bit, and the excellent preservation of the details. This type of key was manufactured by enclosing the end of the preforged iron shaft in a wax model of the proposed bronzed handle, encasing the wax in a clay matrix, and then casting the bronze into the mold and thus around the end of the iron shaft, forming an excellent bond between the two metals. Anyway, it's a very cool look at some old locks, a lot of information between the two articles. The first one focuses more on the executions that the handle depicts, but the second, the Google Books link, provides some good information about the Roman keys. Moving on to lockpicking criminals, I've got three stories here, all from the Christmas period. This first one is actually 100 years ago Christmas. It's from the Spokesman Review by Jim Kirshner. 100 years ago in Spokane, Santa delivers a gift for police, a serial safe cracker. According to the article, William Short was arrested on Christmas Day on suspicion of being the criminal responsible for an unprecedented safe-cracking spree in Spokane. Police said he had cracked 27 safes in Spokane during the previous five weeks, but his luck ran out when he decided to work on Christmas. A detective spotted him at work at the BG Ewig warehouse, leisurely knocking the knob from a safe. Police surrounded the building. When they entered, Short went into hiding. Police searched for an hour before they found him lying prone on a beam high above the second floor. Short told police that he did it because he had to eat, but admitted he shouldn't have worked Christmas. Back at headquarters, he told them the whole story. He said he got the idea from a movie. He was at the unique theater and saw a man knocking a knob off a safe and decided to try it. He acquired a small sledgehammer, an axe, two bolts, and soon became an expert. He seemed unconcerned by his arrest, yawning repeatedly and at one point asking for a cigarette. He later led officers to a shack where he had been batching and turned over much of the plunder he had taken. He told officers that he was 16 and a native of Spokane. Police believed he was actually older and booked him as a 21-year-old adult. The detective who caught him had been frustrated for weeks by the spat of safe burglaries. He told reporters that William Short was, quote, the best thing that Santa Claus put in my stocking. The next article here is recent out of Chicago, reported by CBS2 Chicago. Multiple mailboxes broken into in North Lake, according to police. And this goes along with the story out of, I think it was Philadelphia, that I reported last week about thieves getting keys either by force or by buying them off of mail carriers. This is out of North, North Lake, Illinois. So the article says, police in North Lake said Monday that three mailboxes in the western suburb were broken into in recent days. The mailboxes are located at the U.S. Post Office, U.S. Bank, and City Hall parking lot in North Lake. A city-owned white mailbox used to drop off residential water bills and other payments was also broken into. The exact time of the break-ins is not known, but it appears they occurred after 4.30 p.m. on Christmas Day, according to police. Anyone who deposited mail into any of the mailboxes after 4.30 p.m. Christmas Day is asked to contact North Lake Police and make a report. In recent months, multiple suburbs have been hit with thefts targeting blue mailboxes. In the most recent incident, Park Ridge Police said the officer was conducting a premise check 
of the post office around 12.30 a.m. Monday, November 8th, and spotted three collection boxes outside the building had been pried open and the mail inside stolen. All three collection boxes recently had been replaced, according to police. Earlier in the fall, CBS2 uncovered a pattern of mail theft and check fraud at the Park Ridge Post Office. Court records say a Dalton man somehow got a hold of a postal key and used it to steal from a blue mailbox outside the Park Ridge Post Office. He was arrested in September, but police say they are still investigating. But even that arrest was not enough to stop the crimes. And back in September, they reported not just on the thefts, but the rusty condition of the mailboxes in Park Ridge that left letters exposed to the elements and whatever else. The Postal Service replaced the boxes after that report. CBS 2 later discovered mail thefts happened in three other suburbs besides Park Ridge, from the south to the north, all over the course of a few days in early November. Someone forced open blue boxes not just in Park Ridge, but in Palos Park, Mount Prospect, and Prospect Heights, all over the course of about eight days in early November. And in Lincolnwood, 18 people had checks altered after mailing them in the past year. Definitely pay attention to the pickup times when you're dropping mail off at a public mailbox, at least here in the United States. Make sure you do it sometime in the day before the pickup time is scheduled while there's still lots of people around. And that way, hopefully, your mail will be picked up before the thieves decide to break in. And now onto the great butter heist of 2021. This one sent in by HV Logic. Four Canadians spent Christmas stealing two trucks with 158,000 US dollars worth of butter in them. This was reported by Car Scoops by Sebastian Bell. Evidently, four thieves in Trenton, Ontario decided to spend Christmas Day stealing a total of approximately 40,000 kilograms of butter from a facility there. That's a little over 88,000 pounds for those of us in the US. The location was actually a trucking facility, and the Ontario Provincial Police say that the thieves stole two trailers full of butter. Canada's CTV reports that the trailers were found on December 27th, emptied of their contents. Police estimate the street value at $200,000 Canadian, which is about $158,000 US at current exchange rates. The Ontario Provincial Police are asking anyone with information about the crime to reach out and help. They have said that these were dropped off near the facility by someone driving a black SUV. The photos appear to show what it looks like a black Escalade or a similar type of vehicle. And the article does say that Canadians do seem to have a fondness for food-based pilfering. Between 2011 and 2012, thieves stole roughly 3,000 tons of maple syrup in Quebec. And the article is actually much better written than I read. Uh, a lot of punniness going on in this article. It's a really good read. I did not want to put that in here because that's just plagiarizing his excellent writing. I was just reporting the facts here, but I definitely recommend you follow the link to the Carscopes article and check it out for yourself. Moving on to sales, we have the sale at barebonesLockpicking.com. Just go through the items and the ones that have sale in the upper corner of the image are on sale. SouthArd.com has 20% off on all products through January 12th with the code WELCOME22, so check that out. Over at HooliganKeys.com, you can get 15% off with the code MAKE2022BETTER through January 2022. It just says through January 2022, so I wasn't clear 
if that was through the beginning or the end of the month. So I'm still reporting it, but I forgot to check it before I started recording, so I apologize for that. Looks like the surplus sale is still going on at Master Lock, so you can get up to 50% off on those items. Matt's Lock Pit appears to still be having a sale on custom picks, so you can go over mattslockpit.com to check that out. 3dlocksport.com, 10% off with the code LSCAST10, and that's at 3dlocksport.com. Mako Locks, 15% off with the code BYMAKO. And uklockpickers.co.uk, 10% off with the code GIFT. Remember, the show needs your support, so please send me any information you have that's Locksport related, even if you don't think it's important or you think everybody else will have sent it to me. That usually is not the case. I can use every little bit of information I can get. It goes together with other things that I'm working on. Also, a lot of people don't send me information because they think everybody's seen it, and then I don't know about it because I don't have a lot of spot time to spend searching stuff out. So thank you for your support, and keep it legal. Legal.